0: intro music. It's really good, right? Oof, nice. All right. So welcome back to another episode of Svelte Radio. Today we have another guest. Ooh, this, uh, this time from, uh, uh, I think he's from Gitpod. They also uh, sponsored Svelte Summit that we recently had, I think last week. Um, and yeah, I'm Kevin. I'm your host. I run a site called Svelte School. And I'm involved in Svelte Society and then I'm joined by my other
1: co-hosts. Hey everyone, I'm Sean. I work on uh, developer experience at Temporal and I guess I just post on Twitter for Svelte.
2: <laughs> Hi, I'm Anthony. Uh, I'm a CTF Bianc and I am also a Svelte maintainer. Uh, I'm going to hand over to uh, Mike to introduce himself.
3: Hey everyone, my name is Mike. I uh... I work at Gitpod at the moment as a developer and customer success engineer. That's really just a fancy word for saying that I help people who use Gitpod um, on a on technical side. And um, yeah, I've been using Svelte
0: for, for quite a while, so we're going to be talking about that today. Welcome. Thanks. So uh, what's your background? Where where did you start in web web development?
3: Like, Oh, I, I started web development back in... Just around 2000, when, when everything started to crash, I figured it's a good time to start. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, basically, I started out building Java-based web applications and did that for a couple of years. And then Node.js came out and I realized you can now use JavaScript on the front end and the back end. So that, you know, kind of blew my mind at that time. So I dropped it, I dropped Java and added script to it and i've i've been working with javascript ever since since then so it's, it's been a bit over 20 years now and um and then sweld came out about 2 years ago and or i i learned about sweld 2 years ago and that that completely changed everything again so quite exciting, yeah, so,
0: exciting so you started so you've you've done it all then you've done yeah
3: i i had the wow effect when jquery came out and then react and then sweld and it just doesn't stop
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool.
2: Which is, yeah, I mean, it's because I, I come from the Java world as well, really. And it's it's interesting, the speed that JS moves versus the speed that Java moves. I mean, people are still using the same stuff that I used when I last used Java, which is probably like 10 years ago now or something. The stuff has moved on, but it's so niche. There's not a lot that's actually changed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same way when
3: I talk to colleagues who, who do the same still. And, and yeah, there's very few things that change. It's
2: the same same, same. <laughs> yeah. All right. Which some people call stability, but you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is, who needs that? stability anyway? Yeah, right. Who needs that? <laughs> okay. So, so you work at Gitpod and you worked with like, is that like a developer relations role? Yeah. That
3: that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably a good way to describe it. The goal is really to, on uh, two things. One. Kind of advocate for for what we do in terms of the philosophical change from moving from your local development environment to a cloud-based um, ephemeral environment that you use for one task, then you throw it away, and then you get another one yeah. for the next task. So that, yeah, that's kind of the say, role there.
0: Yeah. yeah. I was going to say maybe we should maybe we should talk about what Gitpod actually is.
3: I, I, I that's can, a good idea. I can give you an overview. Basically, so you're you're all familiar with getting a new laptop and then either you may have some scripts that you run every time you get a new laptop, or you have to go through all the setup steps and everything. So the same is true when you set up a new project or when you wanna quickly contribute an open source project, you go through the readme, you read all the steps and all that, right? How to set up the environment, the right libraries. Gitpod allows you to create a configuration file and fully automate that. And what happens is you run all these steps in what is called a pre-build phase, so every time you do a git push to your repository, the Gitpod app basically pulls down the latest code and pre-builds your next development environment with that latest code. So by the time you want to start working on your project, you can just click a button on the readme that opens a new tab with VS code, a terminal and all the stuff running that you usually have locally. But it does that for each project. So if you switch from one project to another, you don't have an issue with the Node version or the Java version. It's just whatever you need for that specific project. It's already there for you. Does this all run in the browser, or how, how does this work? So at the moment, this is this is all browser-based. Uh, VS Code starts up. You have a container behind it that runs a terminal. You have Docker running in there and all these things. Uh, we are working at at the moment on an app that is called the Local Companion app. So, that you can actually run things on your laptop that helps with the transition from your local environment to, to the cloud. Gives you a chance to connect to local databases and things like that.
2: Sounds good. Sounds very good.
1: I should, uh, I think most people who, who hear about this, I mean, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I, I definitely have had this main point. How does it differ from GitHub Code Spaces?
3: Code Spaces is, is actually is very similar. The only thing that they currently don't have is the fact that we can run these pre builds. So, with Code Spaces, you click the button on github and then you wait for the vm to start up and you know you then run your build script just the same way you would do on your local machine npm install and and npm build whatever you have to run uh with gitpod we do all that kind of like a CI/CD pipeline before you even start your environment so by the time you click the button to start the environment it gets to a point where in in our case for example the website that we're building when i click the button to start an environment the dev server is already running and my preview is right there for the web application. So Swellkit starts up in the background and I'm I'm basically always ready to code. That's kind of the the way to look at it. But the concept is similar and it's actually exciting to have code spaces come out to you know help educate the market because it's just such a new concept for many people that you know any help we can get
0: is, is obviously welcome. Yeah. I've been I recently found uh this feature in VS Code called uh, Remote Containers, I think. Yep. And that blew my mind. And I guess this is one step further in a sense.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's why we're building that local companion app. So we can do that, you know, one step transition at a time, rather than like, hey, let's give up all your local stuff and move everything to the cloud and do it ephemeral. That's too much for, for many people, you know. So it took me a while as well. And and. Having that step-by-step step is just a lot easier going forward.
2: So does this mean I can have all, all this sort of stuff set up my, on my desktop upstairs and then just move downstairs with my Chromebook, say, and then start using
0: Gitpod and then carry on? That's right, yeah. That's awesome.
2: It's yeah. try, try actually a real-world use
0: case for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Always nice when you find those.
2: Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's because, you know, obviously, like, with the pandemic and stuff being locked in, I think a lot of people went, well, why am I using a laptop still? You know, there's, there's no, there's, I'm paying a lot for no power here. So people have moved to desktops and that does remove your portability. So I think Gitpod sounds like it brings it back. I, I think it's it's the fact also
3: that, you know, all you need is, is a, an internet connection that has a, a low latency. It doesn't even have to be big bandwidth. It just has to have low latency. I have um, coworkers that live in a van and travel around Australia and all they have is you know three, four different 4 g antennas that you know hook up to whatever signal they can get <laughs> and and he's he's just fine doing the work wherever he is yeah that's great the van life van that's life. the first
0: <laughs> first time I've actually heard someone actually do that like for real. I always see these like videos on YouTube with <laughs> With people living in them and it looks awesome but then, yeah it's, it's also fun for me to have my one-on-ones with him when you know he's every
3: like every time we talk he's somewhere else <laughs> so, yeah. so, oh, where are you today send me your coordinates
1: what <laughs> does he, what yeah, does he do for internet like
3: <laughs> yeah so he has does i he think satellite? Four, he has four different providers that that hook up to cell phone signal but then he also ordered uh Starlink, so once he gets that, then he'll be he'll be more free.
0: <laughs> wow. Of course. Starlink. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I really want to do
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does sound does sound a lot of fun. Yeah. Just traveling in general sounds like a lot of fun at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, traveling traveling
2: further than the neighborhood, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Just take a train right, <laughs> one day. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. Yeah. Could do that. At least here in, in Europe, it's pretty easy. Uh, so last week we did Svelte Summit, and that was great. And we had a lot of different fun talks that, that were that were done by many different people. <laughs> naturally, so Gitpod, as I mentioned in the in the start of the show, was a sponsor, and you you reached out and you you told me about like Git, GitPods. Um, migration from Sapper from to Svelkit. Maybe we could talk a bit about that.
3: Yeah, I, I think I think we uh we may have to change the title of the of the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll tell you the full story. Sapper is only the second Sapper to Svelkit is only the second part of the story. Um, so basically we had we had previously had a Gatsby React site that was built by the engineering team. And when I joined I was asked to help rebrand the website so we did a full company rebrand and and made a bunch of announcements and uh, part of that was rebranding from blue to orange or uh, kumquat more more accurately according to the design team um (laughs) and um what what happened there was i i had a code base that i've never seen before and i was a little bit rusty on on react given i've done swell for two two and a half years and then i was given a team that You know never met each other before it was two freelancers and and one of our existing team members so i was facing that situation of like what am i going to do am i going to try to understand the existing code base and with a three-week deadline i really didn't have much leeway there to to do much so i'm like well i'm familiar with swelt and i'm very confident that i can teach the team swelt in in less than a day at least the stuff they need to know to build you know a marketing website so a bit of back and forth and a few, you know, conversations with the the, the leadership team and eventually we, we went for it and we are like, okay, what now? Because SvelteKit literally just passed the stage of like, hey, this is the public beta, and the first thing you get is like there will be bugs and you know expect things to break. <laughs> so it was not exactly easy for me to make the point for that. So I'm like, okay, I, I know Sapper though, and I'm familiar with Sapper. I know we can deliver what I need to deliver with Sapper. So you know there we go we we spin up a sapper template and and basically get everybody going and there was a promise from the uh, core team of, of Svelte that the migration from sapper to Git is going to be smooth and seamless so i took all my faith into the core team and i'm like you you better you better mean what you say <laughs> and um <laughs> we we went all in with sapper and about a week before the deadline we had to launch I went had dinner, sat down, put the headset on and went through the migration guide on the uh, on SvelteKit website, literally one step at a time. And, you know, by the end of the evening, we, we were migrated to, to SvelteKit and that all ended up in a single PR. So if, if anybody's interested, we can link to that later. So okay. um, that, was, that was pretty cool. And we removed about you know, a third of the lines of code um, that that were there before. So that was pretty exciting.
1: You might be the first production users felt kit apart from the New York Times.
3: <laughs> Possibly, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen much um, online, but it was it was quite exciting to, you know, just have that faith, I guess, in the first place, but then see it play out exactly as as it was kind of promised in the public channels and things like that. So, uh, great work to do the team building building Swell Kit and the migration guide and
0: everything that that work just
3: as advertised.
0: You mentioned you removed a lot of, like, code. What what in, like, particular did you not have to, to include?
3: Oh, that's a good point. I did not actually look it. I just saw in the GitHub uh, pull request that there is more red than green. <laughs> 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 so that, I, that's how
2: I judge that this is, like, you know, a good thing. <laughs>
3: um, yeah. Well, well, fair see. enough.
2: <laughs> Maybe you just had a really big server.js or something.
3: Yeah potentially it. there were definitely a lot of um yeah maybe it was a server.js uh, i'm just trying to pull it up here see see what, what it shows yeah I, I think it was also um, dependencies actually that were reduced quite a bit uh, in in SwellKit itself there are very few uh, dependencies that come with SwellKit, from what i've seen compared to what i had in Sapper that I, that we pulled in
2: yeah there's yeah, also that's... a lot of i think a lot of build infrastructure has gone as well because it's um obviously just the adapters do that stuff for you now and and really, just all they do is move files around. It in
0: honesty, yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah,
2: yeah, we, we deployed to Netlify, so we we used, we used that
0: that um, adapter. And... So what? So I, uh, we can probably assume that the migration worked since, <laughs> it, since it, you it managed <laughs> to get it merged with a the PR there. So what? What didn't work? Like, well, what what was hard about it? I guess if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, I think. Because of the better label I think that it, that the uh, Swelkit had at, at that time, it was still lost at the moment, but there were a few bugs that that showed up, like one that I remember quite vividly so is like we had all that CSS uh, header footer, everything in place, and then we wanted to style the error page and all the CSS was gone. So that was one of it was the actual bug. I, I looked it up in GitHub. it showed up right away, and it was fixed within a few days. And the thing is, we were very close to launch, so we we made the decision to, you know, work around it, but it's something that that showed up, but it was fixed within a day. And that kind of same story is something that I saw for any other thing that that happened where something wasn't quite right, but because the demand was so big and so many people were working on it and opening issues, they really got fixed almost as as instantly as they were opened. And same for Netlify adapter, like redirects weren't taken into consideration Again, you know, looking at the source code, uh, it was, was as easy as just removing a file eventually, and things like that. So it's very, it's very simple to get around the issues that showed up. But there, there were a couple of things that were rough, and you know, now that's a whole different story. Like we are, we are two weeks past when we launched, or three weeks by now, and I think, I think starting with Swellkit um is is perfectly is perfectly fine now. There's no need to to have the safety net of Sapper in the background at this point.
2: Do you think you fixed a lot of those issues yourself or do you think that most of them were just fixed kind of by other people or were they fixed by the core the core team? Like, what, do you know what the spread was roughly? Or
3: Yeah, I think there's, there's maybe two or three where we did a workaround. So one was that Netlify redirect issue where all the, there's a Netlify.toml file where you can define your redirects. But then the adapter generated a file like underscore redirects, which overwrites everything in the Netlify.toml. And yeah. with that, basically, what we did is we just took whatever in the adapter wrote into that file, we added it to the Netlify TOML, and then had a little post-deploy script that removed that underscore redirect. Right. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. That makes uh, sense. Convoluted, yeah. but so basically, that was an easy, easy workaround that fixed the issue. Other than that, a lot of it was actually fixed by the core team or contributors to SvelteKit itself. And you know, you do another uh, another upgrade and and make sure it works. I think it's still very much uh, work in progress and very active development. So even going from one version to the next, I had to make sure we do a full test of of the website, make sure the markdown parsing still works and all these things. But um, not nothing really major that, that would scare me to do it again. Yeah.
2: Nice, very nice.
0: Yeah, I've I've noticed uh, that as well. Like one day you can it it's working just fine, perfectly, and then uh, there's some new version out and it just uh, Decides to nope, not today. <laughs> not today. Come, yeah. come back in a couple of hours <laughs> when someone's <laughs> fixed it. It's, it's kind of funny.
2: I mean, I think we have, we have like we have enough stuff running on Kit now that we tend to spot serious problems now. I and mean, also, there's a, there's a sort of work in underway to deploy basically like a fully fledged, a fully fledged sample app to all the different platforms we kind of support by ourselves, oh. um, so that we'll hopefully be able to see. If there's any glaring differences between adapters, so yeah, I guess I guess as it evolves and as we h- end up hosting more and more of Svelte's own infrastructure and own estate on there, then we we tend to see things. But obviously, production use cases like like Mike's is uh, well, like GitPods really is 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 a huge a huge boon to showing us when when things break. <laughs> you know, test and prod, yeah. live and well as usual. <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned you mentioned the uh, adapters
3: and and things. So one one issue we had was with Netlify. Uh, just suddenly, we had five hundred errors on on the documentation pages, and it was very sporadic. You couldn't reproduce it with a browser or anything. And um, I I pulled up some you know historical logs to see when it happened. There's no pattern or anything. And what we have what happened there was we believe it was something in the function that was just breaking, and it was like certain time periods when it didn't work. Really, no idea what went on. And, and we just ended up doing the um, you know pre render equals true on on literally right. everything and and now we just have static pages which makes total sense for a marketing page and documentation there's no need to have any dynamic stuff um yeah but yeah there I would have loved to have a you know a, se- a central config saying that um everything is static without using the static um adapter because I still have some functions that that I need to do SSR and things like that but yeah so it was you know a, a little shell script that goes through a bunch of swelled files and injects <laughs> a gel, uh, you know a header With a pre-render, equals to fix that issue as well.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what this Netlify error is, but if you could, I guess, send it into the the support team, they they could probably spin up a separate site and then just ping it occasionally to figure out what the the issue is. Um, It sounds... I mean... Uh, if it's like a regular time of day or something that that's very bizarre <laughs> <'Cause I don't laughs> unless you have like o'clock. a third party <laughs> api dependency maybe maybe that's the that's the issue
3: yeah not not too sure we had we had people reporting i can't access stocks you know i would check it works perfectly fine and then i would check again 20 minutes later and it was broken and it was just all the thing yeah ever, you
1: know? but... I, I would i would rely on pingdom and then maybe also look at the functions logs to see if there's any errors yeah. reported i'm yeah. not sure what it is it's
3: uh yeah, something to look at. Now, now we're all on static pages, but it's definitely something that you know, if if we really need to go back to
0: to it, then we need to dive deep. I
3: agree, that makes
0: sense. So I want to bring it back to uh, to your team. So they hadn't really touched Svelte at all. What uh, what what kind of problems did you run into there? Like teaching people Svelte?
3: Yeah, it's good good question. So we had one person who maintained a previous website and then we had two people that were freelancers and just like friends of mine that would help out and, and just make sure we hit the deadline so the, the way we went about that was that because I knew Svelte I would create the sweld files but then there's really nothing to a Swell file if, if you don't do any any dynamic you know behavior so people pick that up and they're like well yeah you don't have to do that for me I can create my own sweld file I'm like fantastic go for it if you want styles then you know you add a style tag at the top and there's really not much to learn other than, than that and when, when I started doing things like the pre-render equals true you know people were curious and I would just send them to the docs and, and they would read up on it uh, I think where it got a bit interesting was when we started looking into like the block index page so each blog post at the moment is a is a markdown file so we would have to load all these files and then create a list of of most recent blocks, so that's where I started looking into hooks and you know import and things like that from swell, uh, from Vite or is it called Vite anyway? Um, yeah, so no looking knows. looking into that. Nobody knows. <laughs> and and then it, it, it's just a matter of, of you know explaining what it does and when these functions run, but yeah, very very low overhead to to really get started, and I think we would have had a harder time. Trying to understand the existing code base written by people that were not part of the team than than just telling people like instead of dot it's dot and you do whatever you do if you want a loop, this is how you do a loop if you do if else this is how you do if else done yeah, it's very straightforward almost that too easy pretty smooth
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's Svelte is like uh it's kind of like a
1: like a cheat code in in like a game.
0: That's how it feels truly. Really <laughs> yeah.
1: I think uh Mike, you also had a blog post where you talked about your, your transition from React to Svelte, right? Like uh, you you laid out quite a few reasons there.
0: Yeah,
3: that that was that was way back when I when I had a moment, I think a year and a half ago. I, I think what I did at that time was I took the React examples on, on their homepage and I converted them to Svelte. And then I got a lot of pushback because they're like, well, you could write the React more, you know, more efficiently. And I was like, okay, I'm just trying to make a point. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I hey, think the, all the reply guys <laughs> showed up.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but but to, to be serious, right? I mean, on a, on a serious note, I think the fact that you don't have to... Like, you can just write HTML in, in a Svelte file and, and you're good to go. I think this is just such an easy onboarding journey that you, you get with Svelte. That it's very low effort for anybody to get started. Yeah, I remember when I started, it was Swell. It was Swell two when I when I first heard of it, and you know, then Swell three came out. Everything got easier, and now with Swell kit, I feel that the challenges we, or the difficulties with Sapper we had is is gone as well. Like there's a lot of the adapters take care of a lot of stuff, and um, the the hooks get rid of all the you know little file system stuff that you used to do to load Markdown files and parse them, and Get get a list of blog posts Anyway, All that is, is
0: really really clean now. Yeah, it's it's uh it's like every, every time someone tries Svelte, they they usually stick around. At least from my experience, it's nice.
2: They do, and then they then they start looking for a job in Svelte
0: because it's yeah. uh, they're like, oh, I don't want to use you know whatever else at work. <laughs> and th- and there are like jobs popping up a lot more often now than yeah. like a year ago. At least that's how I perceive it. Maybe maybe it's.
2: No, I, th- I think I think you're right. I mean, look at the, you know we monitor Jobs Channel quite a lot, and there's 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 a lot of activity in there now where there didn't used to be. Things are appearing in my Twitter feed now, which is interesting because I didn't I didn't see that before, and it's uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely see an uptick. There's also about three thousand members in the Discord, and I remember sure. going, wow, you know we've got a thousand in here, and, and I didn't really look <laughs> after that because it's like, well, it's huge now, and and then next minute it's this sort of peak is three thousand three hundred something. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there's got to be people. jobs out there, right? Because old people.
1: Yeah. We've got um we've got 9,000 on Twitter. Um wow. And yes, it's growing a few hundred every every month. That's yeah, crazy. the the YouTube
0: channel, it's it's also something like that, like 10,000 subscribers or something. Or is it I need to look this up. <laughs> that might be your Eight personal th- one. <laughs> that, yeah. 8,000, <laughs>
1: 8,000, 8, 8, I just pulled yeah, it Yeah, 8,200. Yeah, it's uh, youtube.com slash Society if anyone wants to check it out. Um, we recently spent some time cleaning up the landing page, so you can actually see uh, all the past talks.
3: Yeah, nice. Actually, talking when we talked about jobs, uh, it reminded me of something kind of related, but the ecosystem. You know, like if, if you're in any other language, you can go NPM install whatever you need. I think with Svelte, so I got a bit of pushback at the beginning that saying that, well, you know, Svelte doesn't have all these plugins and, and packages that we can just pull in and install. But then my my view on that was always that, well, maybe you don't need a plugin or an NPM package. Maybe you can just write it yourself because it's so easy. And then you have what you need and you don't have all the other, you know, boilerplate around it that, that you don't need. Yeah. So it turns out that we actually got by very easily by just, you know, building a few things ourselves. Like in, in the Gatsby site, for example, we had an RSS feed generator where we would give it a directory of markdown files. It would do its thing. Um, writing that in Svelte was, I don't know, like 20 lines of code max, maybe less. And you just create that RSS string by yourself and get the stuff from from a hook and you're good to go. So I think that there's a couple things things that, that really... Initially, it was a bit of a pushback,
2: and then we were like, "Well, let's write it ourselves." And
3: you know, a couple hours later, it's deployed it's production trivial, to production. Work.
2: It? Yeah, so I think one of the examples in the original Svelte template was, or the the Sapper template was a was an RSS feed. Yeah, and it's just like, well, it's so simple to do. Then, why am I using a plugin? You know, all this all this I don't need. I think the other thing is, like you said, exactly about the u- ecosystem. People judge the ecosystem of a framework or a library based upon doing a search um, for let's say I don't know their favorite calendar and uh, with Svelte attached to it and and it's not there and they go well there's no ecosystem there's no components but I mean I would never ever have suggested that I could ever build a calendar but I've completely rewritten the Svelte calendar project from scratch now and it's just because it's Svelte I can do it it's it's straightforward it's easy it makes it makes sense it's logical and it was almost like a black box before I couldn't see how anyone could actually do it I thought the complexity was huge so I absolutely agree that it's a shame that kind of people are judged upon that that ecosystem when really it's not important because you know it, our our ecosystem in felt is is vanilla JS right we we in my belief and I've and I've tried this across multiple languages to make sure um, it's easier to integrate Svelte with the vanilla JavaScript project than it is to integrate any other framework React View whatever with a vanilla JavaScript project because they all need something special to make it compatible and you just don't install. So you've got all the Svelte components, but you've also got all of the vanilla JS components that are just there and will just work. And the, you know, the only reason for wrappers is maybe to make them a bit more Sveltey, so you can have like a, I don't know, a fancy API or some reactivity or whatever, but you can just build down your project if you really need it. So, so yeah, totally agree with what you said there.
1: I've been reflecting on this as well. Like uh, React is very, it's very insistent on the functional model of, of things. Um, that's why there's a sort of I think the the popular term is impedance mismatch when uh, you have to <laughs> write the react dash whatever version uh, just to use uh, just to use that library uh, whereas fault you can just kind of plug it in directly directly um, I think it also is easier when it's a marketing site versus um, some some apps where like let's say you, you need uh, a bigger ecosystem like a like a table or like um like some kind of accessibility or mobile-friendly interface. So yeah, I mean, definitely have a more critical thought about <laughs> how much of the ecosystem you really need, because uh, it turns out you actually don't need a lot of a lot of it. I, mean, I think it helps you write smaller sites anyway, because you, you don't just mindlessly import the, the first thing that shows up on Google. You actually have some critical thought about like what you really need. And then the last point I would bring up is that um, actually inside of this SvelteKit repo, there's an examples folder uh, with a hacker news clone. And there's actually an RSS uh a sample code there, you can just copy and paste. So uh I'm not sure if that's what you did, Mike, but um if other people you don't have to write it yourself, you can just copy and paste. <laughs> DARREN, I should have talked to you earlier
3: then.
2: <laughs> 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 but I'm I'm gonna compare it now, see see how the, their their slow sources, Mike. <laughs> I mean there's there's actually a few of these around because because all this felt infrastructure is written in Svelte, obviously. Um so the, the example SAP project has a has an RSS feed in it. The, um, the Svelte site has an example of pulling in a bunch of Markdown files and building docs from them. So there's quite a few useful, common like scenarios. The separate project also had a blog in it um, originally, so you can check the, the way that the blog is done there. But yeah, there's lots of these kind of real-world use cases it, that live within the example project as, as a base to, to start the stuff from.
3: Yeah, You mentioned Markdown. Uh, one one thing we did there, we used um, MD Swex. if I pronounced that right. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't quite sure if it's gonna, how it's gonna work. We we have about 120-ish markdown pages um, across the blog and the documentation. So I wasn't quite sure if that's gonna, you know, slow down my build time or startup time or, or anything like that. But it was almost not noticeable. It's very very quick to get this thing up and running and you know integrated. So
0: yeah, pr- pretty exciting. Well, MD is, is nice.
2: Yeah, I also use
3: it. And then the other thing there was that because it allows you to use what's uh, called Rehype and the other plugin types, there, there were a lot of these things used in the Gatsby config file on the previous site. So I would literally be able to go into the Gatsby config file, copy the plugin name, remove Gatsby dash, find the actual, you know, Rehype plugin and then just hook that into MDSwex and off we would go like including youtube videos or things like that in your markdown um, very very little effort there to to make this work so pretty pretty exciting i was just looking through my notes another thing that uh, i kind of wrote down was the, the reason why we and a lot of the reasons why we switched to SwellKit. kit and i think i'm looking at three lines and i think to, to summarize the whole thing is it's just less cognitive overhead i think they like in in your head when you open a swell project i feel like There's very little you need to, you know, keep in your mind. You just look at the file, you see what's going on. It's all in one, in one file and you don't have to worry about any other like magic or things like that, that are happening anywhere else that that really helps you again,
2: you know? Yeah, I I totally agree. But I also actually probably extend that thought a bit by saying that this is one of the reasons that I've been, you know, historically very averse to the multiple components in a single file support that um, other frameworks have the reason being just because it's the cognitive overhead it's the fact is that if i look in a file i know that everything inside there is to do with that file and i know there's like lots of different opinions on this but um yeah it's definitely my opinion that that file has this stuff in it and that's where to find it and that's that it's just it's just easier
0: i can i can think of like one scenario where you kind of want some inline component and that's where you have like an each thing with was like an if you have an if statement and then you have an each inside of that, and you kind of want to reuse the the same thing. I don't know if you guys have run into that. I, I do, but I just create a component for it, like yeah. right? the the inner thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But sometimes it's like three lines of code or whatever. Sure, sure. I think I think the thing
2: is, yeah. For me, it's I I do believe there are genuine use cases for it, but my personal opinion is that it's just easier as a rule, you know, when you encounter a new felt project, say you join a company and they're, they're working in Svelte, that you just know that there's only one thing inside that file. Um, you know, and, and I think one of the things that historically put me off React or learning further React was because every time I encountered a React project, all I saw was a, was a, I, I think it's MDX, isn't it, where you've just got, basically not MDX, it's JSX, sorry. It's just got all these ternaries in it that build the DOM, and it's just like, why? I can't read this. I can't pull everything out. I can't understand it, and it and it happened again and again and again. I'm like, I get, I get like this is convenient, but we shouldn't do this, and this seems to be encouraged, and it and it drove me nuts. So that was one of the reasons that looked so appealing when I, when I discovered it, which is I think version one as well.
0: Yeah, Re- React is a bit of a word soup, which is it, it also be. It, kind of how, how I feel about TypeScript. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's totally down to use, right? You don't have to do that. People don't have to do that. But it's literally, you know, the people who I, I say this to, who, who are quite hardcore reactors, will say that it's fine. Like, it's readable. It's cool. Like, okay, well, if you're going to encourage it, then that's definitely not a pro in, in my mind.
0: Yeah, especially hard for new people coming in to, like, familiarize themselves. Because you're um, holding every
2: ternary in your head. Right. Which is just yeah, yeah, possible yeah. for a while. <laughs>
0: Unless you're one of those 100x developers, oh sure, ones. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I recently started rewriting the uh, the Svelte Society website in SvelteKit, and I've decided to do it in TypeScript as well, because nope. I wanna I wanna actually like learn TypeScript well. We're gonna see how that goes. Another one of my projects that never gonna come to fruition. We'll see. I
2: think <laughs> what you'll find is a lot of support out there for it. So if you get stuck, there'll be people who can help you.
0: Yeah, I, d- I did. Uh, I would
2: just
3: want to say, like, we, we use TypeScript as well, and we have the type files in, in a separate folder, so we can, we can pull them in where we need it. And um, it, it does it does make, in my opinion, it does make a developer experience just that much smoother. So in, instead of, like, you know, passing in a string once as a prop, and then and then next time it's a, it's a number... And then you have like some kind of stuff going on in, in the component. Now it's just the compiler tell or the, the browser, actually the editor even yells at you when you start throwing the wrong thing at it. So it definitely helps.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I see the the pros of it. It's just that like every time I've tried to get into it, it's uh it's just a lot of stuff on the screen that's unfamiliar, if that makes sense. It's, uh, it's it's I'm finding it to be a lot of fun though. So so what's uh, what's next for for Gitpod in terms of Svelte? Are, are you guys doing any any other projects using Svelte? Or? This is my
3: opportunity to talk to my team if they listen to the podcast. <laughs> 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 so listen carefully. <laughs> so I I have this uh, I have not really communicated that yet, but why not do it here, right? Um, I, I think I, I want to make sure that. The, the experience for the engineering team to work on the website is just so mind-blowing that eventually we're going to migrate the actual application to Svelte as well. And I think our the whole concept of, of Gitpod is to be always ready to code, right? And one thing is you need to be quick. You just can't wait for stuff to download and see like, you know, we, I mean, it happens naturally because we're pulling down Docker containers and stuff. But at least let's make sure that... The web application that supports all that is, is really snappy and, and and just, you know, basically blows your mind because our core customers are all developers, right? And yeah, I, w- I want to make sure that people say like, well, do you want to see a good, really fast swelled application, go check out gitpod.io. And regardless of whether it's the marketing page or the actual application, I, I want this to be the, the default. So what's next? Um... I will have to talk to my team now because it's not public information so i think um I think the plan here is to see what it takes to maybe even just do one part of the app i um, in, in swelt and then and then the rest you know we we keep what it is right now and uh see see how that goes but there's definitely a goal that i have um for later this year to to see what what it takes to migrate very exciting uh, that should be
0: really cool yeah i'd I'd like to see more uh more uh like, uh, more application type projects in Svelte. That'd be fun.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah there's, there's nothing stopping you from building apps as well that are in you know, interactive and do things and, you know, rather than just static pages. So
0: yeah. I think yeah. That... All right. So, so did you, uh, I know uh, you watched the uh, Svelte summit, uh, last Sunday. Because I, I ran ran into you on the on the meatball <laughs> session there. <laughs>
3: first first connection, you and me, was awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we breezed through it real quickly because we knew we were going to do the podcast. So, but the, yeah. So, which uh, d- did you find any of the talks particularly fun? Or
3: yeah, I think my in terms of like the the long term impact to to swell and and the community, I really enjoyed. I think it was the very first one about the school, is it in Finland that, that is using Swell? Uh, Norway, yeah. Norway. Norway. Norway, um, yeah. I think, so the, the reason I find this really exciting is because when when I mentor others and, and help them get into, into web development, um, I, I use Svelte, you know, for obvious reasons. And it, it's just so simple. Like, you know, you start with HTML and then you layer on styling and then you layer on um, JavaScript. And, and that's... That that journey. So I think for many people to get into programming, like my wife tried it a couple of years ago and, and there's um the, the frustration came out of the JavaScript stuff. Like I, I don't want to learn JavaScript to just show something on a website. So now you don't have to learn JavaScript. You can actually, well, you could do an HTML page in the past as well. But now if you want to use something that you can then build on top, you can use Svelte and it's very, very easy um, onboarding. So I, I really enjoyed that talk. Uh, and the fact that there are now schools that kind of use that in, in their curriculum—it
0: uh, was very exciting for me. I think yeah, that's the... that's definitely interesting for me too. Yeah, I think I think that was my favorite as well. Um, maybe I shouldn't have favorites. <laughs> 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 you like them all equally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, yeah. what about what about you, Anthony? Which one uh, which one did you?
2: Of all the talks, ah, oh, it's hard to know, isn't it? What's my favorite one? Which one stuck out to me? I know. The I think node to be honest, one was you know, fun. It's, it's sorry. The svelte,
0: Node GUI, that that was
2: one. Yeah, this. I mean, absolutely, especially after doing the podcast as well. I think I think it's, it's a tough one because some of the talks are very much like I mean, uh, for example, Ron's as usual, like it sticks in your mind and it's just you know whether whether or not you're into the subject matter, the way he, the way he presented it was it was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so it's yeah, it's, it's a tough one to know, but I mean, it probably the, the no goo is useful because. I have this notion of building a lot of sort of, I would say, desktop style apps. Um, So it's kind of the the perfect thing because everyone complains about Electron. It was too fast, too big, too slow, et cetera, et cetera. So it's definitely probably the most useful one. Shall I I be fair and say it's the most useful one to me? Because, you know, I I like Rons because you just entertain constantly. It it just flows. But in terms of getting something from it, um, I think probably Nogu actually probably is is a good one for that.
0: Yeah, so so for, for reference, Ron's talk was uh, the swoosh, yeah, Shabam Wins yeah. in Motion one. If you if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it.
2: And I'm also a terrible about... animation. So it's it's actually, you know, <laughs> it's quite useful to know how it's not just magic,
0: it's not flash or whatever.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. What about you, Sean? Did you uh...
1: I guess I'll highlight the Datavis one uh, from Amelia and Russell. And I just noticed that we typoed both of their names on the oh, cell no. summit site. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh we no. We got both names wrong. Oh no. <laughs> um, and, anyway, uh, you know they they had they had really good. Uh, th- there's a very strong data viz community with Svelte. They they, they really jive with uh, how much how how simple it is and how well it connects with D3, and obviously Amelia and Russell uh, have a lot of experience working with Svelte and, and D3 with uh, their putting... Uh, visualizations, and I think uh, I just really in, enjoy the having having the ab- ability to in, to feature their work because I, th- I know it's going to inspire a lot of other people to uh, try Svelte out. And uh, we actually talked about this that uh, you know it'd be, it'd be it'd be cool to just feature data viz in in a in a future event, uh, maybe not a Svelte summit, maybe just like a data viz day or something like that. Yeah, more to Stiff Hunter and, and a bunch of other pretty pretty influential people I think in the database community are, are just like they're pretty interested um and it'd be it'd be it'd be great to just feature it and uh explore it more.
0: Yeah. It could be could be a lot of fun. What kind of stuff did you did you guys miss there? Like Mike for example, did were there any any topics that you, you would have wanted to see on Svelte Summit?
3: Oh good question. Um the, the way I usually approach the, the summits is that I I come very with an open mind and I see what's what's being thrown at me, and uh, it's it's always entertaining. I think maybe I know there's there's some hesitations for for companies to to you know make the jump and 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 you know move over this well. So I wonder if if it would make sense to maybe have a bunch of people doing lightning talks similar to what we're doing right now on the podcast, but in a much shorter fashion to show like, Hey, look, we, we did the migration. That's what happened. Maybe just to kind of highlight that it is actually not scary or it's not, not a bad thing to do or something, you know, just get people more encouraged to start using Svelte in production environments. Um, not sure how, how we would do that on on a Swell summit day, but, um, some way to highlight what's in production at the moment would be, would be pretty good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think we could we could probably do it live in the, in some sense. Just bring people up that want to talk about their experience. That yeah, that could be fun.
1: Yeah, there's a concept called the unconference where uh, you just have a block of time and then you show up with like things you want to talk about. People vote and then whoever gets the the big the highest vote just goes up and talks Ooh. about it. So it's a bit less prepared, but you're guaranteed satisfaction because people. Asked for the topic uh, instead of yeah, that sounds fun. You know, that's like a review committee or something like that. But I also also mentioned that we we do run a YouTube and it's a it's a community YouTube that's just featured uh, that, that's just open to contributions. You know, uh, we have various meetups. Like I think Svelte Indonesia streams their meetups, and I think one of the Brazil meetups also. But if you want to talk, if you want to do a lightning talk, get in touch with me um, or just DM this Felt Society account. Uh, we'll check that and um, and send in your your talk and talk about your company and your migration. Uh, we love to collect your stories. And the problem with Svelte Summit was that we didn't. We wanted it to hopefully end within five hours. I think we like went up to six-ish. Um, so we have limited time. But on YouTube, we have unlimited space. So I, I really want to encourage more people to just share stuff. And if we can make Svelte Society like a central you know, repository where people can discover this, uh, then even better.
0: Yeah, that, that could be fun. All right, so uh, any last few things you want to talk about with regards to Svelte or Gitpod or in general?
3: Uh, well, try it out. Uh, see see if you like it. Um, <laughs> t- take your repo URL. Get pod.io hash in front of it. Hit enter.
1: And uh, should should SvelteKit be using Gitpod to develop? Yeah, is that something that we should? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
3: am I allowed to? Am I allowed to answer that?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: you know, hey, like uh, we we uh, we probably need to demonstrate it, but uh, it, it'd be nice to. To I guess feedback that that love <laughs> into into uh, uh development workflow itself. Uh, obviously, I have no say in, in the matter. But I what, mean, what is there's no
2: reason like it's on a per contributor basis, isn't it? So yeah, it doesn't have to be a unilateral thing, right? What What I can do is I can I can open a PR and you
3: you know you guys can test it out. It, it's really not that hard. It basically runs a bunch of commands um, that you would run locally. So uh, I, I, let me open that up and then we'll we'll see what we do with it. It's not a big deal.
1: Yeah. I just think it'd be it'd be cool to eventually, you know, I know I know the get Gipart, parts app isn't in Svelte, yet, but eventually use the Svelte app to uh, you know to contribute Svelte. to
0: Svelte. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could be fun. That could be a lot of fun. All right. So uh I guess that's that's it for for this time. Um thank you, Mike, for coming on. Where can where can people where can people uh, find you? People can find me Anywhere online with Mike Nicholas as my
3: handle. So the easiest is probably twitter.com slash Mike Nicholas. Um All right. see, see
1: what's up there. I'll I'll tweet, you know, whenever something crosses my mind. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you keen on are you keen on hosting Svelte Canada meetups? So
3: Yeah, that's so what I, I have to handle <laughs> on, on Twitter. and i have a (laughs) half-baked you officially
1: you officially run for canada right
3: now i I do officially run it with two followers or something like that um yeah so now now that i'm starting to settle in and actually you know live where i want to live i I have time for things like that again so yeah my half-baked logo is gonna eventually be a fully baked logo and then uh we'll we'll be up and running
0: um in in the next little while. what was the what was the logo
3: so I got really, really inspired like an, by the Swell French, Swell like a... uh, France Society <laughs> with, with the baguette. So I'm like, maybe a hockey stick or uh, you know something like that. <laughs> so yeah. We'll figure that part out. But once that's all settled, then uh, we'll we'll start doing act- activities. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah which city are you in?
0: I'm in Vancouver at the moment. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So so if people are interested in in Vancouver, they should hit you up. Definitely should. Yes. <laughs>
0: all right. Awesome. I guess we we Oh, I, I almost forgot. The picks. The picks. <laughs> I don't even have a pick. Do you do you guys do you guys have pics? So
2: so I do I do have a pick. It's not it's again it's a bit of an abstract one, it's a bit of a weird one. Um it's a and it's a, it is what I thought of in a few minutes before this started because I was thinking I've got a pick. Because nothing's interesting to me anymore. I'm too busy to have interests. But what i what I found was as part of what we're doing regarding um, you know, being being a booking platform, booking system, people ask for integrations with equipment. And one thing I thought might be quite challenging is a physical, um, again, it's radio, so I'm only showing it to the participants here, but basically it's a handheld QR scanner. And I thought it'd be really like awkward to integrate the web with it and APIs and whatever else. And what I discovered was that the when you plug the QR scanner in, it just identifies as a keyboard, so actually you can just scan anything in the QR code and uh, as long as you've got a text field po- focused or a text editor or anything at all that can take input, it will just write into that field and press enter for you so mm-hmm. the, the integration with these is really simple because all you're doing is is saying if you know when characters are typed type into a hidden text field or whatever um, and if it's the enter key, then submit it that's that's all there is to it and i just I just found that fascinating that this little device. It's just like another keyboard, and I could just go boop, boop, and like type words. I could have QRs <laughs> on the wall, right, for my favorites, and go, there we go, <laughs> go to that address, go to that address. I could have so much fun with this, now I know that, how it works. So that's my, amazing. my pick is handheld QR scanners. Because <laughs> they're cool. Like, why don't we use more these things more, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just print out like a bunch of QR codes.
2: Everything can be QR codes. It,
0: wasn't that that was like the dream at some point a couple of years ago? Right. <laughs> it probably every was. every everybody thought every, everything was going to use like a QR code. You could you could see like you could automate scripts on your machine, right? You could automate
2: a set of keystrokes that do something on your machine, like I don't know, load load some program and and, and open some file. You could just make a QR code for it and then have a shortcut, a physical shortcut. <laughs> so it is it is the dream, and it can be the dream. It, it can live on, and they're only like ten quid on Amazon or wherever else on the
0: best like <laughs> so do you do you uh, do you uh, have any pick Sean or Mike
1: yeah I was, I was, I've been panically uh, been frantically looking for one um, <laughs> yeah, <I am laughs> uh, too. Oh, I'll just pick um, uh, I, I, I guess I'll just pick a person uh, I, I I feel like this person Josh Nussbaum on Twitter so on Twitter his, his handle is Josh Nuss uh, he's just been putting out a lot of really good Svelte stuff um, he had a Svelte and Superbase integration. So, you know, with SvelteKit being more of a full-stack framework, you kind of need a database to go along with it. Um, and you can get one off of Cloudflare or Begin, uh, but I think Superbase is also a really uh, good option. And, yeah, he's he's been working on a bunch of stuff. I think he just did an animation or S- Motion or S- animation store. Uh, and he's just working on a lot of different things. So we should try to feature community yeah, members. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's cool. Stuff. I like that.
3: Yeah, I, I totally I second out Josh. Josh's work um, really, like he's been active for so long, and, and as you said, um, the content is very high quality. Um, it's it's very good. Good follow for
2: sure. And he only has four hundred eighty followers. We could have more followers for this guy.
0: <laughs> the currency of the internet, Twitter followers. Know, right. <laughs> it probably
2: means, and someone tweeted this. That it probably means that it's higher quality content because he's got fewer followers. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I uh, sorry, Kevin. I, I have to <laughs> to confess, I uh, I don't have a pick. Do you, Do you yeah, have Al? one, Mike?
3: Uh, I think it, it's it's a small one, but I, I recently learned that we have a team set up on uh, timezone.io, so we we are currently in, looking at it right now. We're in seven time zones um, at the moment, so knowing you know, what time it is where. Uh, eventually, I'll probably memorize it, but at least for now, it's, it's pretty helpful to, you know, know that I probably shouldn't call certain people right now.
0: <laughs>
3: <So> it, <laughs> it comes in handy. And you see a little avatar as well, so you know who, who lives where. Uh, that that oh, I find it that pretty, pretty handy. That's nice.
0: I need that. I suck at time zones. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so I have, I have a pick. It's a, it's a Swedish pastry called uh, Chocolate Balls. Um, and it's pretty much just, uh, oats, uh, butter, uh, some sugar and some cocoa powder. I just mix up and, uh, yeah, you can roll, you can roll them in, uh, in like co- shredded coconut or, um, sugar. It's, uh, that's pretty much it. You just roll them into balls and you eat them. It's really good.
2: <laughs> I mean, it sounds, it sounds like porridge breakfast healthy. I'm, d- I'm down. <laughs> you had me at pastry. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah pastry pastries are my are my worst enemy. I eat too too many pastries. That's too good. All right. <laughs> on that note, uh, th- thank you for uh, again for coming on the show, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you guys next time. Bye.
2: Thank you all. Okay, bye. bye.